The last couple of weeks, myself and Father Bruce, uh, we've been trying to, to find something to do in the house uh, just to kind of to, to keep in touch with each other. Um, he and I are both really busy. Um, we both seem to be running and coming and going a lot in the house. Uh, and if we're not paying attention, what can end up happening is we just can be like ships passing in the night. I'm on my way somewhere. Hey, how you doing? And we move on. Um, so what we did the last couple of weeks was we decided... Uh, we were going to try and a couple of times a week to have dinner together. Uh, so after the evening mass, whoever has it, we'll try and have dinner together. And then we sit down and we've been working our way through all of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, if you don't know what that is, we've been watching superhero movies every night or a couple of times a week. And just working our way through from Iron Man to Captain America to Thor to, to all of these just wonderful, wonderful movies. Um, I, being the kid of the house, uh, I have seen all of them multiple times over, and I love it. Uh, it's great. Um, he had never seen a lot of these movies, and then like he tried and watch a movie, and there's a lot of other stuff going on. It's kind of like coming in the middle of a book and reading a chapter. It just didn't make sense. So we've been working our way through all of these superhero movies over the last couple of weeks. Um, I think we're about 15 movies in. Um, so it's been a, it's been a long, long haul, and there's another 10 or so to go, and then we got miniseries and everything else. Um, but it's been great. It's been really, really a good chance just to kind of sit down and to focus and to, to kind of have some community in the house. Uh, one of the things I have realized, though, now watching it through yet again, is there is a formula for, uh, for superhero movies. If you didn't know this, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break down the formula real quick. Um, it is somebody gets powers. However they get it, I don't know, but they get powers. Then they start to learn these powers. Then they have to fight somebody with these powers and usually lose. And then they learn how to master their powers at the end in a big fight and win. That's the formula. So if you're ever wondering, like, I want to go watch a superhero movie, somebody's going to get powers. So they're going to get bit by a radioactive spider, or they're going to be really rich and smart, or they're going to do something. Some way they're going to get injected with some kind of, like, massive alien steroid or something. Like, they're going to get powers. Then they're going to start to learn their powers. Then they're going to lose with their powers. Then they're going to win with their powers. So if, if you're ever wondering, I just spoiled every superhero movie for you. Um, I'm really sorry, but that's basically every single plot. This is the four steps of every superhero movie. Now, if you sit there wondering, like, Father, why are you talking about this? And, or are you, like, looking at me thinking, you're, you're just a big kid. That's just in superhero movies. Bear with me. Um, my mom and dad... We tease my parents all the time, we, especially my dad. Um, my dad likes every bad action movie that has one-word titles. Um, every bad action movie that ever existed with a one-word title, he's probably watched again and again and again. The Expendables, Taken, The Recruit, all of these movies, they're just bad action movies, the same storyline in all of them. A guy doesn't want to fight. He gets thrown into fighting, usually something to do with a kid or a wife. Then he has to fight every little bad guy, and then another little bad guy, and another little bad guy, until he gets to the big bad guy, and at the end of the movie, he beats the big bad guy. And, in, and, and all throughout it, explosions. That's every, that's every bad action movie, right? Little bad guy, little bad guy, little bad guy, big bad guy, boom, and all explosions, all throughout, Right? That's, that's, that's every one of them. And now you're sitting there thinking, Father, that's just, that's men. That's a crazy men thing. Bear with me. Lifetime Movie Network is like a, is like a Nickelback album. 
It's the, same mo- it's the same movie over and over and over again that just continues to play over and over and over again. Because what is it? It's something really, really bad happens and then something else really, really bad happens and then something else really, really bad happens and then at the end, everything's okay. And all throughout it, crying. <laughs> this is a, the, the, there's a formula for these things because they speak to us. There's something about it, right? Kids want to watch, and, and kids and, and, and immature 32-year-olds, they want to watch Marvel movies. Why? Because there's a, there's a quest. There's something, there's a growing that takes place. And then you see a victory at the end. Men want to watch movies that, that have the, a, a fight, a battle to be won over and over again, and then a payoff at the end. And if you can blow stuff up in the process, we're going we're to appreciate it. A, a, a Lifetime movie will have, uh, will have a story, an arc that will get you emotionally involved and at the end there will be a payoff. There's these formulas, they speak to who we are as men and women and children. It speaks to how it is that we, that we see the world around us. But when you learn the formula, sometimes it can make things a little bit boring. When you know the formula behind the movie, when you know the formula behind the story, it, sometimes it can make it a little bit boring. And that's whenever you see these movies, that's when you see books, that's when you see stories that will throw in a twist. And the twist usually catches you. Today, whenever we look at our gospel, Jesus is using a formula. We may not recognize it because we don't hear, we, don't, we might not understand the Jewish tradition as well as what Jesus did and his audience did. But what Jesus uses today, he uses a formula, but he throws in a twist. The image that Jesus uses today is apparent and is present in both our first reading and in our responsorial psalm. The image from the Old Testament that Jesus plays on is that the, G, the, the, the church, the, the, the Jewish faith understood that those who, were, those who were chosen of the Lord, who were in relationship with God, who were in relationship with Yahweh, were seen as what they call cedars of Lebanon. Now you have to remember that we're talking to a culture that was a very, very agrarian culture. This was agriculture was their life. They understood plants. They understood living off of the land. And cedars of Lebanon was seen as this image of being rooted, of being strong. In the Old Testament, there are some, some, some sources will tell you that the cedars of Lebanon could, were trees that could grow to be 100 to 130 feet tall. So think of a redwood when we're talking about cedars of Lebanon. Or think of the think of the hundred year oak tree that's in fr- in front of somebody's yard that you've seen. There's nothing that can shake it. There's nothing that breaks it. Doesn't matter the hurricane. It doesn't matter how big of a storm that tree does not move. It may lose a branch. It may lose a limb. But in and of itself, at its trunk, at its root, it does not go anywhere because it's sustained. It's consistent. It's strong. It's rooted. So in the Old Testament, the image that they're using is that the cedars of Lebanon, the faithful of the Lord are like cedars of Lebanon, that they are strong, they are rooted, they go nowhere, they break never. 
And when Jesus today is talking, when he starts using these images, these, these plant images in speaking these parables to these people, what they're expecting him to say when he says the kingdom of God is like, they're expecting him completely and ready, they're ready to jump on it. They know that he's going to say he's, the kingdom of God is like a cedar of Lebanon, strong and lasting and big and majestic. But he doesn't say it. Instead, he uses a different image. He says the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, a mustard plant. Now we're talking about a, a, a 130 foot tall tree. And instead, he's using an image of the smallest of seeds and a bush that might grow 10 feet tall. What is the Lord getting at? What is Jesus trying to explain to his people? What is he trying to get across to the people in front of him? Is that the kingdom of God is not going to look the way you expect it to. The kingdom of God is not going to last the way that you expect it to. The kingdom of God is not going to reign in the world the way that you expect it to. Because the Jewish people that Jesus is speaking to, when they heard the promise of the Messiah, what they were expecting was, they were expecting someone who was going to be a military leader, a political leader, someone who was going to rise up in the world, was going to cast the Romans out of Jerusalem, and was going to take over and be able to lead as a military leader and a, and a politician. They were expecting someone who was going to be great and majestic in their wisdom and in their power and ready to fight. And instead of getting that, they got a baby in a manger from Bethlehem. Instead of getting some kind of, some kind of all-knowing, all all-powerful kind of, kind of Messiah figure who was going to be this wise politician, what they got was, they got a homeless guy who walked around speaking in kind of veiled language. Instead of finding someone who was going to be this warrior and this fighter, they, found some, they got someone, the Messiah came, as someone who would be led to his death without saying a word. God subverts the expectation of the Jewish people. God doesn't answer. The kingdom of God did not look the way they expected it to, nor should it. Because if, if, if we would sit back and try and plan out how we were going to build an organization that was going to last for 2,000 years... We could come up with all of the things. There were plenty, I'm sure there were plenty of educated people. I'm sure there were plenty of influential people that the, that the Lord could have found to be his early leaders in the church. There were probably a lot of people that were smart and knew the scriptures and had influence and could, and could make, the, make the church last and be strong in the, world, in the worldly sphere from a, from a worldly perspective. But Jesus didn't choose them. He chose a handful of, of fishermen, an IRS agent, and a zealot to be his first disciples. 
Jesus didn't choose the majestic and the things that people expected it to be. He chose those who were weak, who were small. And that was the, but it was His church. You see, the thing is, is that God could have had the cedars of Lebanon. God could have had all of those who were strong, all of those who were majestic, all of those who were, who were lasting, all of those images and those people that had influence. He could have chosen them. But instead, he chose the weak. And even though they were weak, they were his. Now, I don't know about you, but I know in my life, there's many times that I've felt like, I, God, I, I'm, I don't have the right words. I'm overwhelmed. I, I, I have no idea what it, looks, what it is to, to, to look at a balance sheet. <laughs> I don't know what it is to, to how, how am I supposed to coach people through this thing or that thing? How am I supposed to be the one to lead this group or that group? How am I supposed to be the one to have the responsibility to do X, Y, and Z? How am I supposed to do these things, Lord? I am way, I'm way in over my head. I'm not that. I'm weak. I've got shortcomings. In talking, with my in talking with friends, especially when they have kids, it, when you hold your kids for the first time, there is no more, there's no point in your life that you feel more overwhelmed that I have a responsibility here. I have no idea what I'm doing. But God doesn't need us to be perfect. God doesn't need us to be the one, God, God doesn't need us to be the wisest or the best or the strongest or the most good looking or whatever. God does not need us to be those things. Thank God. The Lord can work in our weakness. The Lord can pull miracles out in our weakness. If Jesus can establish a church with a handful of fishermen, he can make, he can make something good out of my life. All we have to do is to first be his before anything else. Jesus is good at breaking formulas. He's really good at breaking formulas. God doesn't want you to just be another cog in the machine or he doesn't want you to just be another, an, another type of story that you've seen with these people or those people. He doesn't want you to be another lukewarm Catholic who just kind of, oh yeah, I show up whenever I'm supposed to or I, I show up for funerals and weddings and that's good enough. God wants you and I to be in love with him and to be his first and foremost. And when we allow ourselves to do that, when we allow ourselves to be his first, he can pull miracles out. Our church is not perfect. I think a lot of times our church is led by a perfect spirit, but it is made up of broken people. And if we look at the history of our church, just in the recent history of our church, there's a lot of warts and a lot of sin and a lot of bruise. But that doesn't mean that God... But God is not calling us as a church to be worried about everybody else's sin but our own. God wants to work in your life and in mine. And that's how we bring about the kingdom of God. We become foot soldiers for the kingdom of God today. 
When we, come to the, when we come to the Lord, when we come to the sacraments, we come to receive of Jesus Christ Himself. We come to embrace the Holy Spirit that we received at Pentecost a couple of weeks ago and put, it into, put the Holy Spirit into use in our life. Today God reaffirms to us again that He loves us. As He gives Himself to us. That He meets us in our weakness. And then he sends us out empowered. God doesn't need us to be perfect. God calls us and leads us to himself. Purifying us every step of the way. But God doesn't need us to be perfect to start. He calls us in our weakness. You're not a cedar of Lebanon. As the image from the Old Testament. That's okay. But God can call, if you're his... God can make you something amazing. Today we come to the Lord to reaffirm our desire to be his foot soldier, to be sent out as long as we remain his.